0: I have a message that I want to deliver to you today entitled, The Gospel of Me. Not me. Just point, just point, point at yourself and go, me. Yeah, The Gospel of Me. Um, we are living in a day where, well, we are in, we are in the end days, the last days. And it's troubled times. That's why I felt that it was such a profound, poignant moment a few minutes ago when we uh, worshiped with the song, It Is Well, that God is trying to say something to us all. Right? And even in that, as a pastor, I have a couple of, of roles that I can play, if you will, in preaching the message. And one is to inspire you, I suppose, uh, maybe motivate you, um, maybe remind you of things, maybe even create attention on purpose. because I believe that the days that we live are a day are days that we need to be alert and we need to be awake. And I can get up here as a preacher and say that a thousand times over multiple sundays, over many years, and it would be pretty much the same thing if that preachers have been saying a thousand times for multiple sundays for multiple years. Or maybe it's possible through the power of the holy spirit to say something to present something that actually pulls the light switch. Uh, Well, I just did two things. I went back a hundred years to pulling the light cord and called it, that would be flipping the switch, but uh, whatever the case may be, may there be a tension created today that makes you go, I need to wake up. I need to be alert. We're living in a day where me is the important thing everywhere, and it's the gospel of me. In fact, the gospel of me is being preached in churches all over the place. Many people who call themselves Christians live more for self than they do for Christ. May there be a, even attention created in this service today and online that each one of us would look at ourselves and wonder, am I more for Christ or self? Where, where am I at Really? Because we can get so deep into the forest, we can't see our ways out of anything. Much of life revolves around self, and it becomes more I instead of the great I am. And it's important that we shake off the heresy of the gospel of me. Second Timothy chapter 3, if you can turn your Bibles with me there, I want to read from that passage of Scripture. It's also a passage of Scripture that I read from on uh, Wednesday night in our midweek Bible study, and I I, I appreciate all of you all that are attending, and I know that there are even uh, others that are connecting online, and a little bit of this very beginning of this message is a very, very small recap or of an excerpt from um, Wednesday night's Bible study, but 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then also verse 7, and it says, uh, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now I need to pause right there. This letter wasn't by this letter by Paul to his spiritual son Timothy was not written to the world. It was written to the church. That's even a sadder statement, a a sadder viewpoint of this passage of Scripture because we read all those things and go, oh, he's, he's coming down on the heathen. No, 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 no. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. If we were to bring this into modern times, what we're talking about here is a cold, dead, Church that knows how to go through all the motions, and yet within that church is made up of people that are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, etc., 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 saying that it has a form of godliness, it has a form of religion, it looks like it's possibly the real deal, but in fact, it is devoid of power, it has no power at all. Goes on to say. In verse 7, they're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means that they're, they're teaching, they're, they're sharing the Word, but there's no revelation. There's no revelation. I have had a lot of angst in my spirit for many, many years, and especially over the course of the last number of months, saying, God, let, let that not be who we are as a church, Because a church and a pastor who speaks against these things right here is is not a recipe for church growth. Or everybody to say, whoop, there's a feel-good place to go. No, 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 no. And see, I've already confronted you and created attention by helping you understand that this was not a list of symptoms of the world. This was a list of symptoms from within the church. Dear heavens. So on Wednesday night, I shared just a couple of things about a a few of these viewpoints. that part that says people have become lovers of self, what that is called, that's called humanism. Lovers of self is humanism, the gospel of me. And I also shared with you some authentic dictionary definitions of the words humanism, materialism, and hedonism, or hedonism, however it's pronounced. And I was astounded of what was actually written in the dictionary The definition of humanism is the pursuit of self-fulfillment through natural means that often rejects the importance of following God. Did you hear me? It's it's all about self-fulfillment through natural means, not supernatural means. Not by the power and presence of God, but by the power and presence of self. And it is in the same token, shies away from the importance of even knowing God. Again, having a form of godliness sort of looks like God stuff, but there's no power in there to turn my life upside down. Some of us need our lives turned upside down. The, the second part there was people have become lovers of money. And the, the word there is materialism and the definition is an obsession with material things. Now again, I didn't add any religious points to the dictionary definition. The materialism in this is an obsession with material things with a disinterest or rejection of spiritual things. It, these things go hand in hand. When your life is focused around materialism, you automatically become Disinterested in the spiritual things, and that's where the power is at. And then you have these people who have become lovers of pleasure, which is the word hedonism or hedonism, and it's the doctrine that pleasure and happiness is the highest good. Now, I have one more word that I have to give you. I don't know. Are you ready for this word? <laughs> <laughs> I prepped her a little ahead of time I'm going to do some weird words this morning. But there's an interesting word that, quite frankly, sums up. Everybody's looking at her like, I'm waiting to see what she's going to do with this word. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, There's an interesting word that kind of sums up the whole me gospel, and that is the word solipsism, solipsism. And some of you are going, yeah, I can't wait to see how she's going to do solipsism. Here's the definition of this word, solipsism, A, an extreme preoccupation and indulgence with one's own feelings and desires. The gospel of me, the hedonism, the materialism, and the humanism, all about me. And remember this is a letter to the church. That's the important part to keep in tow here. This was not a letter written to some weird political group or something, or even a bunch of drunkards down at the bar to the church. And see, that's part of the problem that in many churches they're just they're drunkards who aren't at the bar on Sunday morning. Mm. I said I wanted to create a tension. I want to create an angst. I want to create even an anger. Not against humanity, but against the enemy. Against the enemy of your soul, who in these last days is going to come in with such deception that he will deceive, if possible, even the very elect. And if you're not fired up and armed and ready and equipped for battle and battle ready... maybe even us, fooled when a new Messiah arrives on the uh, horizon. And I'm not a preacher of doom and gloom. I never have been. I've never been a preacher of alarmism. Never, ever. I've never been a preacher that has a political agenda. I steer as far away from that as I can because it's not my calling. But I am a preacher who knows that I have an instruction from heaven to prepare God's people for his coming. And sometimes people cannot be prepared with true authenticity unless cold water is thrown into their face. Because we've been squirting you with warm water solution squirt guns for so many years that it's become quite comfortable. This is not the season, it is the season to be able to say it is well but it's not the season to rest and be comfortable. You might say, well, boy, Pastor Rick sure seems serious today. I am. If I'm going to use a word like solipsism, you know I'm serious. An extreme preoccupation and indulgence of one's own feelings and one's own desires. That's the, that's the modern-day church. Offer for me something that lets me indulge in my own feelings and how I feel about things, how I feel about the Word of God, how I feel about God, and how I feel about the preacher, and how I feel about everything. Just make me feel good. And if you don't, there's another church in the community that certainly will. Religions of self-help are the flavor of the day. Find one that will make you be a better you. And I'm all for being a better you. (laughs) I do everything that I can to become a better version of Rick. Say amen, Diane. So I have no problem trying to do better or be better. I've read my fair share of self-help books, and if I were to ask you to raise your hands of those of you who have done that, you'd be able to raise your hands as well. I believe that it's healthy. I think that it's important to have a positive, healthy self-image. Amen? We need to to have a good self-image as it reflects the image of God. And in many ways, I think that it's absolutely important that we all strive toward a more successful life and a better version of you. Amen? But we don't have to do that at the sake of it now being a me gospel. Read all the self-help books that you want. Listen to uh, supposed preachers of the gospel who, quite frankly, do nothing more than vomit a gospel of self-improvement and uh, self-education, which is nothing more than self-worship, do all of that if you want, and I promise that in the end it will leave you feeling empty because it will be looking like a form of godliness, but it will, be, it will be devoid of the power of God that can truly make you shine the glory of God, which is what your purpose is here on planet Earth. Why? Because the self-image really is only... Finds its foundation in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Not a feel good service, not a feel good church, not a feel good preacher, not a feel good gospel. That's nothing more than humanism. Make me, the human, feel better about my spiritual experience. In fact, even if it's at the cost of my spiritual experience. Is this a wake up call? I pray to God that it is. You see, the intent of Satan is that we find fulfillment living a life of self-gratification, a life of self-satisfaction. And interestingly enough, the intent of Christ is that we find fulfillment in a life of self-denial. Isn't that interesting? The enemy wants you to find fulfillment in just self-satisfaction. And Jesus says you're going to find fulfillment in self-denial. The Bible teaches us that we must die to self and that the only way we can truly live is to die. It's a great paradox. Yet this is the way of God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, in this earthly body, by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me." See, as believers, which looking around, I think that's like everybody in the room, it should be a room full of dead people. Not physically, but dead to self. But the enemy, his deception is to find many ways in the form of church, in the form of godliness, to make you feel more self-fulfilled, self-fulfilled, self-gratified, self-edified. I was talking to mom just the other day on the phone, and I said, you know… Uh, her and I are the kind that we don't believe that there's any reason to go listen to a message that's not going to cut us in some way, shape, or manner because, after all, the Word of God is a sharp, two edged sword. I didn't say pre- mean preachers. I'm not interested in listening to a mean preacher or a mad preacher or a bully pulpit but I am interested in hearing the Word of God that severs things in my life that ought not be a part of my life. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's not a feel-good message. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Not a feel-good message at all. The false doctrine of today is that if there's anything in the Word of God that makes me feel bad, just throw it out because it's old-fashioned, it's outdated, it's archaic, it's for a different culture, it's not for today. The false teaching of today is that feel good about self, no matter the cost, no matter what. The deception of the enemy today is that if the preacher makes you come face-to-face with your sins, find yourself another preacher. (laughs) If a church chooses to set the bar of standards according to the Word of God, and that makes you uncomfortable, then just find yourself a different church. That's the gospel of today, because you'll be able to find yourself a church, a preacher, and a Bible that fits your gospel of you, or, or, We'll see how many of you are back next Sunday. Or you can say, No, 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 Pastor. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I want the word of truth. I want a church that walks by the standards of godliness and holiness. I want a preacher who'll tell me what needs to be told me, whether I like to hear it or whether I don't. That's what I'm looking for. I know that's what I'm looking for in life. I don't need to go to church to feel good. There's probably some of you going, well, I thought that's what church was all about. Wasn't I supposed to go to church so that I feel better about myself when I walk out? Well, I hope that's a part of the recipe. But the greater part of the recipe ought to be a gospel that causes you to confess of your sins, repent of your sins, and be broken in your heart. What? What? No ice cream Sundays? My grandkids are going, Yes, ice cream Sundays. Amen. I'm, I'm all in. The Christian experience is not about living for the benefit of self. It just is not. In fact, the great paradoxical truth exists in the Christian faith. And here it is To live, I must die. That is a paradoxical truth that is fundamental and foundation to the Christian faith. To live, I must die. The problem is is that too often we're found doing everything possible to satisfy the carnal desires, to satisfy the flesh, and we regretfully steer as far as possible away from denying self. We don't want to do that. The Christian life, though, is one of self-denial, not self-indulgence. That's not me being a mad, mean bully preacher that's just the word of God that's a fundamental of Christian life that it's about self-denial not about self-indulgence but we as Americans we're all about self-indulgence and the church by and large is about self-indulgence as well and that's why when the end times explode on the horizon in front of us as they are getting getting ready to do more people are going to gear and lean toward that which indulges self than that which denies self. My job as a pastor is to wake you up by the power and presence of God and make you alert to the days that we live in, make you watchful for the coming of the Lord, To prepare you for his coming so you are not one of the five virgins metaphorically that though they were there with the other five, they did not have enough oil, a presence or power of God in their life to make it and they were left behind. I don't want that on my shoulders. I'm sorry, that's too much pressure for any one human being to say that where you end up in eternity could be based on what I say or don't say in a setting like this? Please. And I don't mean to say, that's so much pressure I can't do it because I'm graced by the power and the Holy Spirit of God to do it just fine. But with that pressure, that means I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do whether you like me or not. I said it Wednesday night, and I'll say it today. I really only care if she likes me. You do like me, don't you? Do you like me? Okay. <laughs> so we unfortunately have a a a me firstology. Me first. Take care of me first, and we clearly don't have a theology that thinks of others first but self first Luke chapter 9 verse 23 then he said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me take up his cross daily and follow me let me not leave that important word out so hearing these words i understand that hearing these words is difficult uh, putting them into practice could probably maybe seems unrealistic <laughs> it seems impossible at times. I get that. I understand that. We cringe, quite frankly, at the very thought of self-denial. It's not something that we as Americans understand greatly about self-denial. It's, it is a, we live, we're, in an, we're in a culture of self-gratification. We're, we're in a culture that if the channel that I'm watching on TV doesn't suit me in the first 15 or 20 seconds, I'll flip on to the next thing. That's the culture of who we are, and we've brought that into our Christian experience. And yet, self-denial, right there, annoyingly repeated throughout the Gospels. Self-denial. Die to self. self Self-denial. However, we get this uh, another amazing paradox in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, "The the thief comes not To steal, except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. But wait a minute, I find it interesting that on the one hand, Jesus is saying, die to self, and on the other hand, I'm going to come give you the best life you ever had. So which is it? Is it to die to self or live the life? It is both. Who said that? My beautiful bride said that. So if we follow the world's thinking, okay, and this is the problem. Remember this letter that I read from the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son Timothy was a letter written to the church? Y'all still got that picture, right? Uh, The world's idea of putting yourself is putting yourself first, putting others below a full life. And the world's idea of a whole full life has to be, well, that can't be self-denial because you can't. Have a full life and a denied life is incompatible to do both of those together. The world's idea of life to the fullest means self gratification, which is in complete antithesis to self denial. How does this work? The world's idea is to satisfy the flesh, me first. It's a life that always wants more. And it's a life that in the end is never satisfied even when you have everything. We've seen it over and over again. The wealthiest people in the world are sometimes the most down and dejected and alone. Then what happens? We become enslaved by the need for more i got to have more, more toys, more of this. It's never enough. It's the gospel of me. It's the sin of solipsism, which is self-worship. That's what the enemy has been working toward since the Garden of Eden. Well, you'll become like gods. You'll know everything you need to know. You don't need to worship him. In fact, I'll I'm speaking on, you know, from the satanic point of view, if you will. In fact, Satan would say, I'm not even going to really tell you that you're going to end up worshiping me. I'm just going to make you worship yourself. And I win in the end, he says. So we cannot follow the world and we cannot follow Christ at the same time. You cannot worship self and worship God in the same moment. You just cannot. And yet we do our very best to to walk that line. You can't have it both ways. I'm sorry, saints of God. You can't have it both ways. It doesn't mix. The Lord is going to come and He's going to separate the goat from the sheep. He's going to separate the wheat from the tares. He's going to separate those that are not true and authentic from those that are genuine and authentic. Who are you? Really. In Jesus' letter to the church of Pergamos, and I'm bringing this to an end. You all can be grateful and thankful for that. But I will be back again. (laughs) I'll be here all week, 7 o'clock, just show up. In Jesus' letter to the church at Pergamos in the book of Revelation, he wrote in chapter 2, verse 15, You have those among you who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, I want you to notice, he didn't say that he hated the Nicolaitans. He said, I hate the thing that they do, I hate their belief system. God hated the practice. Of the nicolaitanes and that practice was a gospel of me it was a gospel of self now although they're only mentioned two times in the bible there's a little disagreement there excuse me there is little disagreement as to what they taught or what they believed in and here it is they wanted everything that god had to offer and everything that the world had to offer all in one church building they wanted the whole Deal, give me all the world and all the pleasures of the world, and give me all of God and all the pleasures of God, and I want to come to the same place and get it all at the same time. Sound anything like a modern-day church to some people? So they wanted it all. They blended their own worldviews. Come on, this, if this isn't modern time, I don't know what is. They blended their own worldviews with God's views. They found a way to mix them all together and somehow make them seem absolutely right. They watered down their Christian experience in order to live however they wanted to live. Does that sound familiar at all? St. Ignatius of Antioch, he said this about them. I think he said this in... 170 A.D. or something like that. So definitely right close to the very first century of the church. He said, they are lovers of pleasure given to slanderous speeches. He goes on to say that they affirm unlawful unions as a good thing. Sound familiar? And place the highest happiness in the pleasure of self. And these were church folks, the Nicolaitans. Basically, as I said, the Nicolaitans, they wanted the best of both worlds. They wanted to indulge in worldly self-pleasure while calling themselves disciples of Jesus Christ, which is a concept, quite frankly, friends, that is repulsive to God. It says that He makes, you, he makes Him want to vomit you out of His mouth. Then I could ask you another question, and I'll ask myself. And I'll, so I won't ask you. I will ask you indirectly as I ask myself. Rick, do you make God sick? Rick, do you make God sick to his stomach? You see, the feel good church would never say, Do you nauseate God? But we better come face to face with that, friends, because we are in the end days. so I'd like to help you this morning and the best way that I can do that is to just say to you you can't have it both ways so why do we turn from completely giving 100 percent to God what and I'm asking this as for us all but you individually ask yourself what is it in my life that keeps me from going 100 with God why am I holding back that one percent why 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 am I not ready to just leap in and give it all 100% to God. You know why? Because we don't want to give up the pleasures of the world. There are certain pleasures of the world that we still like to maintain and hold on to it. But I need to help you with something this morning, beloved. You cannot embrace the cross and embrace the world in the same hug. You can't. You can try. It'll be devoid of power. It'll be the teachings and the ways of the Nicolaitans, which the Lord hates, and it repulses him. And we don't like to even consider a God that would be repulsed by me. Boy, honey, you're going to have to take me out to eat after supper or something. Because Okay, thank you. Oh, good. There's the word close. Hallelujah. Listen, y'all, I, I don't contrive words to bring to the congregation to somehow invoke some emotional response. I bring words to the beloved saints of God because I feel that the Holy Spirit has spoken the same words to me to bring to you because we're in this together. There's no part of what I'm saying that goes, I've figured out the whole 100 thing, 100% thing. Because in, in sharing that whole thing by going like this, what is it in us? Did you notice I said us? I didn't say, what is it in y'all heathens out there that keeps you from being 100 for God? No, I said, what is it in us? What is it, Bill? Bill? So, I need to ask you another question this morning. Have you died yet? You might say, well, this message is killing me, but anyway. I'll ask you a couple of more follow-up questions. Are the desires of Christ in your life greater than the desires of the world? Okay, this is just questions I wrote down when I was sitting on my deck. Do you have a spiritual obituary? Do has there been a spiritual eulogy for you? You got that video ready for me back yonder? Now's the time. Died. An old friend told me later I should have been at the funeral. With everything that happened, I just didn't think that was a good idea. It seems like we never saw things eye to eye. As I got older, I realized some of the things you did were wrong. They really hurt me. They made me hard. But things change and people move on. I moved on. I don't have any regrets. gospel of me says live for self. The gospel of Christ says die to self. So which will it be? What will your choice be today? Well, pastor, you're drawing a line in the sand. I believe the Lord is. Are you trying to live with one foot in God and one foot in the world all at the same moment? Are you riding the fence today? Are you 100 for the Lord? Because that's who he's coming back for. He's not coming back for a church of self-gratification. He's not coming back for a church that lives to feel good and I'm not suggesting that he's coming back for a church that lives to feel bad. That's not what I'm saying, but a church that is dying to self, that he may live through us. Anything less than 100% is not enough. Well, wait a minute now. I'm pretty good. I'm like 99.99999999 to infinity percent. No, anything less than 100%, it's not enough. Did I say that any one of us could in this earth suit somehow attain to the 100%? I never said that, did I? No, 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 no. As long as I'm in this earth suit, I'm never going to make 100%, but I can't be satisfied with the percentile that is not dead. That's my point. And I'm not satisfied with the percent of Rick Lopez that's not dead. Teach me, Lord, how to crucify that part of my flesh, God. Please help me, Lord. That's all the Lord, the Lord, the Bible says, a, a contrite and broken heart. The Lord will not turn away. But many of us are not contrite and broken about the percent of us that still lives for self. We think it's okay, and that's a deception, brothers and sisters, of the enemy, and it certainly is a deception of the day that we live in so we need to wake up we need to be awake we need to be alert we need to be watching because he's coming at a moment that you least expect and i have one more question for you how will he find you luke 18 8 when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth jesus never said uh, if the Son of Man comes. He said, when the Son of Man comes, and what is left in question is the second half of the phrase, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith in you? Will he find faith? And Jesus gives, does not give the answer in the question because here it is, what he's looking for is the answer that in you he will find a human being doing everything in their power by the power of the Holy Spirit to please the Father. Praise team. So he really doesn't give us the answer in the question, will he find faith on earth? You know why? Because he's waiting for you to answer. He's waiting for you to give the answer. He's waiting for me to give the answer. And, and the Apostle Paul said, uh, I die daily. Say what? Listen, if there's enough of Rick to die daily for the rest of my life, I'm going to bet there's enough of you to die daily for the rest of your life as well. But will you crucify yourself daily? And I'm not talking about asceticism that says, I must punish myself, I must beat myself, I must hurt myself. I'm talking about that which is broken before the Lord and humbled before the Lord, contrite before the Lord and recognizes that He is great and you're not. So He's looking for us to give Him an answer. What will the answer be? As they Lead us into this song. There is a part of the preparation to bring the Word of God that I pray about every week, and a part of that preparation is what do I say at the end, Lord? How do I close the deal, so to speak? And I look for that, and sometimes I write things down, and I didn't even write anything down because I didn't have it. And I think the very last thing that I said is he's waiting for the answer from you, and 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 you, from each of us. Will we die to self to live for him? So I'm not going to ask you to jump through hoops and run up here to an altar of repentance. I mean, it's going to be open to you because I want our altar prayer ministry team to come forward now, and they'll be over here to my left, and maybe some right here in the front. Maybe an elder that wants to come help me out as well that can come be up here in the front or stuff and such. Can I have one of our male elders that can help me at all? Is there not one? Not one in the house? There, yes, there is one. I thought so. Come on over. Come on over. Here. You can stand right here. That's fine. Come right in the front. Thank you. Stand right there, my brother. And uh, it's okay, Mindy. You stand right here. Yeah, lightning from heaven's not going to strike you. It's... <laughs> it's all good. So as they as they lead us into this worship, um, it's between you and God, but they're here just to pray with you. And I would find it hard to imagine that any one of us. Are having a hard time identifying that 1% or whatever it may be that's standing in the way of of total self-denial I think the scripture says it. seeing that we are encompassed Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 in that we are encompassed by such a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. This is a chance to kind of, okay, God, I recognize I'm not 100%. I accept that. I, I, I take ownership of it. I confess it. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I can't do this alone. Help me. That in this time of worship, let that happen in your heart and your spirit. And come, receive from the Lord.